We know we should be building our networks, but it's one of those topics that, while important, never seems urgent. In this episode, Ruth Gotian shares some of the key mindsets and tactics that can help us build relationships in the midst of everything else. This is Coaching for Leaders, episode 591. Produced by Innovate Learning, maximizing human potential. Greetings to you from Orange County, California. This is Coaching for Leaders, and I'm your host, Dave Stahoviak. Leaders aren't born, they're made. And this weekly show helps you discover leadership wisdom through insightful conversations. I know so many of us recognize the value of having a strong network and want to invest our time and our resources to be able to build that network. And yet, it is a challenge in the midst of so many other responsibilities we have as leaders. And yet, what can we do on a daily basis to actually begin that practice? There are people who are really fabulous at doing that so consistently. One of them is my guest today, returning to the show. I'm glad to have Ruth Gotian back. She has been hailed by the journal Nature and Columbia University as an expert in mentorship and leadership development. Recently, she was named as the number one emerging management thinker in the world by Thinkers 50. She was also a semifinalist for the Forbes 50 over 50 list and is coached and mentored hundreds of people throughout her career. In addition to being published in academic journals, she is a contributor to Forbes and Psychology Today, where she writes about optimizing success. She is the chief learning officer in anesthesiology and former assistant dean of mentoring and executive director of the Mentoring Academy at Weill Cornell Medicine, where she is a faculty member. She is also the author of The Success Factor, Developing the Mindset and Skill Set for Peak Business Performance. Ruth, I'm so glad to have you back on the show. I am so excited to be back. You know, I'm a huge fan of this podcast from a long, long time ago. So this is so great. This is a huge honor. And I am a huge fan of yours. And we got introduced, oh gosh, maybe a year ago. And you were on the show back about six months ago. And we had so many people that reached out to me and told me how helpful that conversation was on thinking about high achievers. And, uh, and, and I know a lot of folks reached out to you as well, too. And then what's been really fun for me, selfishly, <laughs> is how many neat things have happened since then of realizing how well connected you are. You have introduced several other folks who are either have been guests on the show or are going to be coming on the show in the next few months. And anytime I go on social media, it seems like I see a picture of a famous person <laughs> with your book. <laughs> And I think to myself, how does she do that? Because evidence your bio, you are really busy. You have uh, you have you have a full time job. You are an author. You've written an amazing book. It's gotten a ton of traction. You're involved in so many things, and yet here you are making so many wonderful connections just for me, and clearly for a lot of other folks in the world. And I wanted to have you back to find out how do you do it. Okay, go. <laughs> <laughs> you mean how, how is my contact list filled with the names of astronauts, Olympic champions, NBA champions, yeah. and Nobel Prize winners? Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And in fact, you mentioned to me you had a funny story about a time you introduced an astronaut to a Nobel Prize winner. So that might be a fun place for us to start. Yes. So for those who may not have heard the last episode, I research extreme high achievers. So it is those astronauts and Nobel Prize winners and Olympians, et cetera. 
And when my book, The Success Factor came out, I had many launch activities, but there was one launch party, virtual launch party, that was specifically for those who were in the book or endorsed the book because I knew all of them, but they didn't know each other. And this was a celebration of them together. So um, right before the event, one of the astronauts texted me and he said, will Dr. Fauci be at the book launch party? Because Dr. Tony Fauci is one of the people who I interviewed and he's in the book. And I said, well, you know, we're in the middle of the pandemic. I think he's a little busy now for <laughs> book launch parties. Right. But I said, this Nobel Prize winner will be there. And he said, oh, Nobel Prize winner. Now that's a high achiever. And I said, you're an astronaut. You went in a tin can in the sky and into space. I said, if you're not a high achiever, what does that say about the rest of us? So it really got me thinking that everyone around him is an astronaut. That's his normal. Mm. That's not exceptional in his world. That's his normal. A month or two later, I told this story to the Nobel Prize winner. And he said, it's really funny that you say that because I shared my reflection. And he said, I know a ton of Nobel Prize winners. We get together, we have events. In my world, it's really, it's just not a big deal because I know so many of them, but I don't know any astronauts. I said, oh, I can fix this. <laughs> so, and they both happen to be from New York. So I introduced the astronaut to the Nobel Prize winner. They had a Zoom. I think there's a whole bromance happening now. And I am convinced before long, they're going to publish together. Oh, wow. That's so funny. <laughs> you write in The Success Factor, all of the high achievers have an extensive network they have been cultivating over their entire career. It is their social and political capital, their currency. Over time, people in their network become good friends and trusted confidants. They continuously meet new people and develop more professional relationships. It's constantly evolving. I, as I was reading that, I was thinking that the value of having a strong network, I think, is something most people recognize inherently. I think certainly almost everyone who listens to this show. And, and yet, I'm wondering what it is about the mindset high achievers have around building a network that's different from a typical professional. And, and I think this is really the difference. The, the difference is that they break out of their shell. They break out of their industry. And they're willing to talk to anyone of any rank, including people who are more junior to them, one or two generations younger than them. And it's all about building relationships. It's not about a transaction. And when you look at these people, they are very good friends. These are the people they can reach out for advice, for guidance, for perspective. They become confidants to each other. So whenever they're meeting new people, it's, do I like this person? That's really what it boils down to. Do I like this person? Is this a relationship that I can build? It's not about transactions. And in fact, they rarely talk about work at the beginning. They are just fostering this relationship because that is the foundation for everything. Look, I am not a basic scientist. So what am I going to talk to the Nobel Prize winners about? I have no interest in going to space. So what do I talk to the astronauts about? Yes, I was an athlete in high school, but I am by no means an Olympic athlete. I can barely make a shot in the basketball court, but yet mm. I have NBA champions who I know. 
because we're not talking about work. There are people all day long talking to them about work. We're talking about life. We talk about friends. We talk about family. We talk about travel. That's really what it's all about. It's about creating those relationships and knowing that other people outside of your industry are as important, if not more important, than the people who you work with because they can provide perspective that you don't have because you have blinders on. I'm thinking about what you described with the launch party you had for your book and also the point you made of that the high achievers are so often talking to folks at all different disciplines, all different ranks and tenures, and also folks that are a generation or two behind them. I think we've all seen examples like that. And it seems so daunting. Like, oh my gosh, like, how would I ever do something like that for people? How would I like become the person that could interact with an author or someone who's well-respected in my field or someone maybe I've looked up to for a long time. And I'm curious, as you started to do this, and you've done this really well now for a while, but what what was the shift for you? What got you started of actually taking some action to begin to open up those opportunities? So I've always been fascinated with high achievers, and I wanted to really study extreme high achievers. And my father always said to me, my late father said, you don't ask, you don't get. And I figured if I don't ask, if I don't go up to them and talk to them, I've already rejected myself. They don't have to reject me. I've done that to myself. But if I approach them, I risk the chance that they'll say yes. And that was a risk that I was willing to take. And very few people have actually turned me down. Now, I will say that of all the extreme high achievers in the book, 90 or 95% of them were through referrals. Mm. So I needed to get to one astronaut, one Olympian, one Nobel Prize winner. And it just snowballed from there. And what happens is when people see that you're not just being a fangirl, but that you're using this information for good, you're doing good work with it, you're putting them in a good frame and a good light, they want to help you. They want to help you and they will introduce you to others as well. So that is something that I've I've always done. And I have found different ways for us to build our relationship over time. So sure, I interviewed them for the book, but there are times that they needed things for me. And because we've established such a friendship at this point, they didn't have to feel uncomfortable about asking me. Because remember, everyone's world is pretty small. So for example, there's a Nobel Prize winner who wrote a book, a great book, an autobiography. The challenge he was having is that everyone he knew was in the scientific world. And he wanted the book to have a bigger impact so people outside of the scientific world would be able to read it. Well, I happen to know a thing or two about book marketing. And I started telling him about all these ways to market your book. And all of a sudden, he is now reaching markets that he didn't even know existed before. Mm. And I am a generation younger. I don't have, nor will I ever have a Nobel Prize. But there was something I could do to help him. And 
happy to do it, happy to continue doing it. But there were times that I sought his counsel for something because we're both in academia and he gave me sound advice for which I'm forever thankful. So there's always, always something that you can offer. Hey, if you are a Gen Z, everyone from a millennial on up, that's Gen X, that's the boomers, they would want your help with anything you could do with social media. Because while Gen Z was born with a social media account, the rest of us were not. We have to learn it. And it's hard. So there's always something that you can teach others. Always. Indeed. What you just said, so many of us, including me, have had this thinking error that I can't possibly add anything to someone else someone else's work or professional capacity, especially someone who's been really successful or well-known or maybe I've admired. And I recall one time that really like challenged my own thinking on this, Ruth, um, years ago. We had had two people on the show relatively close together, both of them really well-known authors. Uh, both have actually been on the show multiple times. And one of them mentioned something about the other one in an article they had written, not even in the books, um, but how much they admired the person. And I mentioned it to one of them. I can't remember which one. And I, I realized they didn't know each other. And I just assumed, I, I sort of assume everyone knows each other and like I'm like the one person. Like You just assumed all <laughs> authors get together in some back smoke-filled room and know each other. <laughs> right, right. Like when I started doing this, I'm like, everyone knows everyone else. I don't know anyone, like that that whole like thinking error. And it just it hadn't dawned on me that they didn't know each other or they weren't connected. And in fact, one of them had tried to reach out and for whatever reason they'd never connected. And so I sent them both an email and I thought as I was writing this email, like I can't believe I'm introducing these two people and that actually this is helpful because I would have thought they would have found each other in the world. And so I introduced them and they got connected and it was great. And it was one of many times that I've been reminded of like what you pointed out a moment ago that um, I think oftentimes we don't, we so don't realize the ability we have to do something that's helpful to someone else. And we see all their accomplishments, we see their resume, and we think like, oh, they have it all figured out. They know everybody. There's nothing I can do to help them. And yet there's often so much we can do if we're willing to get past the kind of like, I'm just going to be the fanboy, fangirl, like you said, and, and actually do something that's really useful to someone and think about like, how could I serve them? And there's so much opportunity for that. Absolutely. You just have to be willing to give more than you take. Yeah. How do you demonstrate that to people? That there's something that you're there to offer them that gets beyond just the casual comment or the, you know, nice to meet you at an event or something like that, uh, that actually mm -hmm. furthers the conversation? Well, I can give you a few examples that have recently happened. We all come from different experiences. And I have an adult learning background, and but we know with adult learners is that they use those experiences to inform everything that they're doing. But those are my experiences, and your experiences are going to be different. So I was recently at a conference of the the 100 coaches, the Marshall Goldsmith 100 coaches, and you know we're all getting together and we're all chatting and we're all learning, and that's great. 
But you know, the best learning happens on the line to the bathroom and the coffee break and all those breaks in between. Yeah. Well, afterwards, when the conference was over, um, I happened to be sitting in the Delta lounge. And the great thing about that lounge is that anyone who you see the people who were at the conference with you, but each one is going to a different destination, but you can all, instead of sitting at the gate, you can all sit there together. And one of them was saying, oh, she wanted to do this, this research project. She doesn't know how to start it, et cetera, et cetera. And I said, well, I, I know how to do research. I've been doing research. I said, well, first you need to get an IRB. She said, what's an IRB? So I'm talking her through the IRB and talking her through the process of how to get it and what to do it. And that is something that I was able to offer her. She outranks me in several different spheres, but I knew how to do research. And that is something that she didn't know. She didn't even know what questions to ask. And I was able to help her with that. And I was able to bring in another person into the conversation who knows a different angle to research, who could provide even another dimension to it. All of a sudden, she's, you know, she was texting us from her flight saying, this was so amazing. This is so great. Let's get together again. I didn't ask her. There's nothing I need to ask her for. But mm. I figured she's a really good person. This is something she wants to do, doesn't quite know how to do it. I know how to do it. Why not share the intel? Why not? Yeah. Can't take it with me, right? So, yeah, indeed. Indeed. And that's just one of the things that happened. I introduce people to each other all the time. All the time, I introduce people. Someone tells me they want to work on something. I say, you need to talk to so and so. Let me make the introduction. First, I make sure it's okay with them. And then, I say, let me make the introduction. I must do that multiple times a week. Mm, wow. Huge. And it comes back to how am I helpful to that person and like getting in that mindset. And uh, this this reminds me of just some of the messages and LinkedIn reach outs that I get. There's, there's probably two different extremes that I see. It, it's interesting to me how often I will get a message from maybe someone's listened to the show, maybe they haven't, but uh, I'll get a message from someone on LinkedIn often and they'll say, Hey, I really liked this episode or something. And then there's an immediate ask. There's an immediate, like, okay, um, could I get 10 or 15 minutes of your time? And they've, they've, they've learned uh, the most typical way I see this is they've learned to, like, they need to offer something first. So, paragraph one, is like, um, <laughs> is really like something very compliment and genuinely, like genuinely, like they've listened to an episode. They they heard you on the show six months ago. Like, oh, I heard Ruth Gotin on the show, and I learned this. And then the second paragraph is, could I get fifteen minutes of your time for this? And it it often strikes me as very transactional. Of yeah. you know, someone's learned a lesson at some point. You know, compliment someone, say what you liked that they did, and then make an ask uh, or. Yeah. That message will come, and and it's it's just a you know thank you for this or whatever, and then I'll reply, and then immediately there's an ask there on the second message, and so that's that always strikes me as someone who gets a lot of those now inbound requests. That always strikes mm -hmm. me as a little more transactional, and I don't tend to in I just don't have the time and the bandwidth to tend to engage right. on a lot of those. What almost always I engage with, uh, although I'm sure I've missed some over the years, but. When someone reaches out to me and they share something they've learned on 
the podcast or something I've done, and they say, here's something I am going to try, or here's something Mm. I did, and here's what worked, and there's no ask. And mm. and I'll reply, and sometimes we'll start having a conversation. And I have had, we have many, many people in our listening community that I have, I've never met, but we have had ongoing correspondence for years and years. And when those folks reach out and, and make an ask for something, I try to do whatever I can to be helpful if I can. And the fun thing is, is I also think about them. So when things happen or connections happen, or an episode comes up, or there's an opportunity to make a connection, like I think of them first because they have demonstrated over time the, the value of the relationship. Like you said, like it, it's about getting to know each other and it's about talking. And it, what's really fascinating, Ruth, is like the distribution and percentage of those. The yeah. people who really like have said, hey, I'm going to start to build a, I don't know if they've done this consciously, but they've decided I'm going to build a relationship over time. Like every few months, I'm going to drop a line and say, here's what I learned and here's what's going on. The percentage of those people is so tiny. And so the people who are willing to do that, like they really do rise up on my radar screen and folks that I tend to talk with quite a bit. And from what I've heard from others, I think that's pretty typical. You're 100% right. You know, I've, um, I've given talks about mentoring and networking and high achievers. And then somebody will write back to me, even when I say, don't ever do this, they'll say, it was a great talk. Will you be my mentor? And I always tell people, don't ever ask. Yeah. And here's my dissertation. Will you read it? I was like, I don't even know you. <laughs> read your dissertation of yeah. 150 pages. Yeah. But here's what I, I tell people they should do instead. And this was actually taught to me by my friend, Andy Lapata who does quite a bit about relationship building, and it's the 24-7-30 rule. After you Hmm. meet someone within 24 hours, shoot them an email or a DM, however you communicate. Ruth, it was so great meeting you. I especially loved what you said about the 24-7-30 rule. Something that resonates and why, and that's it. Seven days later, Ruth, I'm still thinking about what you said. And I read this article and it really got me thinking. And I keep wondering what would happen if, right? And then 30 days, you follow up again. I read this article. Here's a podcast, whatever it is. And you also want to connect with these people on social media. And you don't just want to connect with them. You want to engage with their content. Not so much that you're stalking them but enough that you start to appear on their feed. Now, Dave, you and I, I told you that I have been listening to your podcast for years and years and years. It has always been one of my favorite. I always love the guests that you have. I don't even know if I ever reached out to ask to be a guest, but I think it was our mutual friend, Dr. Mark Goulston, who introduced us. Yeah, yeah. And I think the introductions is what's so critical. And that's what I tell high achievers. You don't need to introduce yourself to me. I will find you because someone else will tell me I have to speak to you. Mm. Because if you're that good, someone will make the introduction. Yeah. And so Mark introduced us and I think we really gelled and we really got to know each other. And that's why if, Dave, if you say, do you know so-and-so? Can you introduce me? Of course, I will say yes. And if I say, Dave, I really think you need to talk to X, I'm pretty confident you'll say yes, because 
we've established the connection. We've established our credibility. We're not asking for really anything for ourselves. It's really to make the world a better place. And I think that's what's so important when it's not transactional, when you're able to build that relationship. Look, I say it's just like dating. When you first meet someone, you generally are not asking for their hand in marriage, not on the first date. You want to get to know each other first. And once you get to know each other and build that relationship and build that trust, that's when the ask can start to happen. But it happens more organically and it should never, ever feel like a transaction. That's a great way to lose a contact. I love that the the 24-7-30 model of just yeah. the consistency behind that and the intention. And what's really cool, I think, is the there's so few people, like when you look at the population of the, the, the world, there's so few people who really genuinely do that well, that when you mm-hmm. do that well and you're willing to put in the time and the effort you really like you you separate yourself and people notice you and start referring you like to your point like you and I got connected not directly but when you're when you do that so consistently over time other people start to make those connections for you too it's about matching people but not just matching taking it to the next level if i'm going to introduce you to someone i will then tell you this is what you need to succeed right if i recommend you to dave's podcast this is what you need to do in order to succeed on his podcast. You have to take that next step. It's not, the introduction is not enough. Anyone can make an introduction. It's about taking it to the next level. And you're right, that is what will make you stand apart from others. Now, I have, an, I have another tip for your listeners that they might find useful because it really changed the way I'm able to have these conversations. And I tell this for everyone, if you are more extroverted or more introverted, you need to have what I call a professional toolbox of starter sentences. Starter sentences are benign ways to engage with people where you're able to initiate a conversation without talking about the weather. And it can be used with anyone from a four-star general to an astronaut to a student. And it's just a way to spark that conversation. I call them sentence starters. So, uh, and I'll give you some, some great stories because this is how it started. I was at this conference in Charleston over New Year's Eve, and I'm sitting there in the lobby completely overwhelmed by the people there. And right next to me walks this woman with a, a purse in the shape of a clock, a real clock. Huh. And I said, oh, that, that's a really unique purse. And she then starts engaging with me a whole conversation about the purse and how she bought it and where she got it. Turns out she was one of the first female comedic writers and wrote for Maud. Wow. And she then started introducing me to other people. And it was a conversation over a purse. Another time I was at an ethics conference at the United States Military Academy at West Point. Talk about being a fish out of water. Everyone there, you know, has all their brass and all their medals on their uniform. And I'm coming in in my New York black suit. Hmm. And over the brunch line, over the grilled vegetables, this woman who has, you know, her entire shirt is filled with medals. Which was your favorite session so far? Oh, I thought that was so brilliant. So I told her which was my favorite session. And then we started talking And before we knew it, we weren't a civilian and military. 
we were two people engaging in conversation and I learned about her work and she learned about my work. And it started over, you know, which is your favorite session? But you need to have these kind of conversation starters that you can start with people. I talk to people about men like to wear funky socks. I am always having conversations about socks. A, I think they're pretty cool. B, it's a great conversation starter. You want to have these ways to engage with people. And I know that this topic resonates with so many people because every time I write about it, those pe- those pieces go viral. So. It's so important. And in fact, Dave, if if your listeners want a list of some of my favorite conversation starters, they can, they can grab it uh, right from my website at ruthgotian.com slash conversation. Oh, and fun. See some, of, some of my favorite conversation starters. You can use them anytime, free of charge. Thank you. I'm going to link to it. We'll get it in this week's uh, episode notes, of course, and the weekly leadership guide. And just to reinforce what you said, I think so many times, especially those of us who tend to have more of a preference for introversion as I do, like the term small talk comes up and we're like, Ugh, I don't want to have small talk yeah. with anyone. And yet you, you don't get to big talk until you have small talk. Like it's those conversation starters that are so critical. And I have absolutely changed my mind over this over the years. And I've realized that how powerful what you just said is, and having a few of those sentences. And a couple of my favorites are, like, what are you reading right now? And mm, That's a good one. What podcasts are you listening to? I asked someone the what are you good reading one. question, one of my friends from Carnegie several years ago, and that conversation ended up with Jim Mattis, the former Secretary of Defense, coming on the show. It, it was, which is a crazy story I should tell sometime on the show. But it, but it it absolutely started with me just asking a friend what book he was reading. It turned out he was reading his book, and it started this whole thing. And it's really fascinating how those simple questions just about the kinds of things many of us are doing anyway, like a lot of us are reading, a lot of us listen to podcasts, a lot of us are watching TED Talks, you know, the kind of things that a lot of us do. Just engaging, meeting people where they are, how that's such a great opening for yeah. building a connection with someone. And it works and it's authentic and it lets them open up. And you need to know how to have that ping pong of a conversation, right? You ask a question, you wait for a response, you open the door a little bit about yourself. Another question, you don't want it to be an interrogation. So you have to open up and reveal a little bit about yourself. But there's also, you need to have especially if you're more introverted, you need to have times and ways to refresh in the middle and you need to have an exit plan because very few people can stand a network for hours and hours and hours on end. Look, I am a 95% extrovert. I have been tested. It keeps coming up as 95%. I still get tired and exhausted Mm. from being on all the time. It's hard. It's really hard. And especially when you want to engage in meaningful conversations, you are focused on what they're saying. That really can drain you. So you need to find ways to refresh. And that's why I say, got to powder my nose because I just need that quiet. I need that white noise to just settle. And sometimes you'll see me just sitting by the ladies room by myself for 15 minutes just to get grounded again. And sometimes that's what you need to do. And that's okay. Mm, Indeed. 
This has been so helpful. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with us. Uh, you know, one of the things that gives me so much joy in my work is when guests tell me how much people have reached out to them. And you have been so gracious to loop back with me. I know a number of folks in our community have invited you to come speak at the organizations, give keynotes. Thank you so much for looping back with me on that. And I would make that invitation to folks of maybe you might reach out to Ruth in the spirit of this conversation today. And if you've read her book, let her know what was the story that resonated with you. And if you haven't read the book, maybe you might reflect on this conversation and mention what was most helpful from this. And if it's something your organization would benefit from, what a wonderful resource you've been to so many on reaching out and speaking. Thank you so much for all that you're doing. I'm so grateful for it. Thank you so much for having me. And I, I am always thrilled to be back here. This is like coming home. Oh, good. Well, in that case, you know what I'm going to ask you next. <laughs> My last question, <laughs> which is always what you've changed your mind on. And I asked you six months ago when you were on the show, but I have a more specific version of the question this time, the around building a network. Mm -hmm. I'm curious, you know, as you've been doing this so successfully for many years now and um, and engaging with people and making introductions, when you look at what you believe today, your mindset around building a network and reaching out to people, what have you changed your mind on from years ago? So in the past, it used to be quantity, and now it's quality. In the past, it was how many people do I know? How many likes am I getting? Where now, that's not nearly as important to me as the quality of the people who I'm meeting, the quality of the relationship that we can build. And to me, the biggest sign of success is that if I can be friends with that person, then I know I've made the right choice. If I, that's why I'm so proud that so many of those who are featured in the success factor, I can now call my friends because mm -hmm. we have built that relationship. And I think that's so important. Oh, that's beautiful. You know, it, it reminds me of something I think about when I invite guests to be on the show. One of the thoughts I have is, does this person seem like someone that I would love to sit next to on a cross-country flight Ooh. for three or four hours? And, and if the answer is yes, then that's an indicator for me that it's a starting point. And if the answer is no, <laughs> then it's, a, it's really helpful just to think in like, where do I want to build those relationships that are real quality ones? See, but that tells you that you're the, that tells me you're the more introverted one, but you like to talk to your seatmate on the plane. I'm the extroverted one. I don't want to talk to anyone. I want to read my book. But then at the end, you'll say, so what is that you're reading? And then we'll get in a whole conversation right as we land. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I generally don't talk to people on planes, <laughs> but if they're interesting, if I would love to. Yeah. <laughs> Ruth Gotian is the author of The Success Factor, Developing the Mindset and Skill Set for Peak Business Performance. Ruth, always a pleasure. My pleasure. If this conversation was helpful to you, several related episodes I'd also recommend. One of them is episode 347, The Power of Weak Connections with David Burkus. We assume often that when we need support in our careers, some mentoring, some perspective, that the people who are closest to us, our strongest connections in our network, are the place to start. And those are good places to get insight and inspiration, but we often forget 
the weaker connections in our network, because the folks who are closest to us tend to be in the same circles we are. They tend to get the same perspective that we do. Often, some of the best opportunities can come from our weak connections. David Burkus talks in that episode about his research on weaker connections and how we can actually leverage that to be effective in our networking. Details in that on episode 347. I'd also recommend episode 425, How to Strengthen Your Network, a great compliment to this conversation. Marissa King was my guest on that episode. She has done a ton of research on networks and relationships, and in particular has identified three different kinds of networks that people tend to create. And a lot of us tend to uh, prefer one method versus another. It's helpful to know where your preferences are, what kind of network has tended to emerge for you or networks. And I found episode 425 really insightful on how I continue to build and leverage my strengths and also you know, where some of the blind spots are. Again, that's episode 425. Also recommended episode 495, how to get noticed on LinkedIn. Stephen Hart was my guest on that episode. We talked about some of the specific tactics and strategies on getting noticed more, of course, on LinkedIn, but also it would apply to almost any of the social media platforms these days. And if you do take the invitation to start creating a bit of content, you really do narrow yourself into a small category of people who are doing that actively. Uh, Some starting points for that on episode 495. And then finally, my previous conversation with Ruth was episode 567, how to lead and retain high performers. If you have had some top people in your organization depart. That perhaps was a surprise in the recent past. That is a must-listen for you. Episode 567 really gets to the heart of Ruth's research on the Success Factor book. All of those episodes you can find on the coachingforleaders.com website. I'm inviting you today to set up your free membership at coachingforleaders.com so you have full access to the entire library of episodes I've aired since 2011. One of those topic areas is networking. We've had many, many conversations over the years, in addition to the ones I mentioned on networking. It's an important skill for all of us as leaders to get better at and building and strengthening our professional networks. Many other conversations you'll find on the website, along with many other topics. I'm always so, it's always so wonderful to get emails from folks who tell me they've been listening to the show and then they go back and start listening to the first episode and are working their way through the whole catalog. And I just, um, I'm always tickled when I hear that. And it's never been my intention, though, that everyone does that. Rather, I think it's even more helpful to go through and find what's most relevant to you right now. And that is why the episode library in the free membership is there so that you can identify what's most important to you right now. Maybe it's building your coaching skills. Maybe it's strengthening your network. Maybe it's personal leadership or stress management or developing talent in your organization. That and dozens of other topics of all the episodes we've aired over the years are found there. Set up your free membership at coachingforleaders.com and you'll be off and running with us. Thanks as always for listening and I'll see you back for our next conversation this coming Monday. Take care.